0: Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Some Other Sphere. If you enjoy it, please leave a rating on your preferred podcast platform or like and share it on social media, as it all really helps to promote the show. If you'd like to support the upkeep of the podcast as well, you can donate via Ko-fi. Go to ko-fi.com forward slash Some Other Sphere Podcast to find out more. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at spherical underscore pod. Thank you again. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to Some Other Sphere, a podcast exploring our strange world, one conversation at a time, hosted by Rick Palmer. Joining me for this episode is filmmaker George Popov. George is half of the creative partnership behind Rubicon Films, who since 2022 have released a series of paranormal-themed documentaries under the title of Sideworld. To quote George, A side world exists where the line between fact and fiction is enshrouded in mist and shadow, and beyond that threshold is a place that can change our perspective on everything we think we know. The three sideworld documentaries made so far have explored the haunted forests of England, terrors of the sea, and English villages with ghostly reputations. Prior to that, Rubicon made two feature films, Hex in 2017 and The Droving in 2020, which both include folk horror themes and Fortean subject matter. In the interview, I begin by talking with George about his interests in the paranormal and filmmaking, and the relationship they have had as part of his career. From there, we go on to discuss the Sideworld documentaries, and some of the subjects they cover, and explore how these sorts of things represent the Sideworld concept itself. Enjoy! George, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Rick. It's great to be here.
0: Before we get on to the Sideworlds documentaries, I just wanted to talk a little bit about your interest in the paranormal and your and your filmmaking. Have they always been things that have um, had a had a relationship with each other?
1: Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I, I think um I mean most of my life in the in kind of in, in the last 10 years and, and, and before that as a, as, as a kid, as a teenager, I think filmmaking is being like the, the, the bigger side of it, but, but, um, and cause that's where, you know, you're thinking about, you know, where you want your career path to go and what you want to do and everything so on and so forth. But actually the, the paranormal side was, was earlier uh, I think because it was on a much more, uh, I think primal level. And, and as a kid, I, um, you know, I, I loved watching the X-Files and, and, the, you know, I would, I would, you know, stay up late and, you know, with my parents and watch it and, and, and they knew I loved it. And, and uh, um, it, that became all these stories and all these uh, creatures and ghosts and everything became a um, become a huge part of interest, my interest. And, and um, then afterwards you know I started reading a bunch of paranormal books on on supernatural stuff on on cryptids on on everything so that that was really kind of my first passion before even knowing um that probably the stories you know drove me to it first and then I started getting interested in other stuff and other forms of art and everything and filmmaking ended up being the one that I liked the most because it was a mixture of everything that <clears throat> that I loved sorry and um that that's um, being that sort of uh, amalgamation of your expression, your love towards everything that that's that's um, mysterious and dangerous and unknown. Yeah, that that was that was a big part of it. And then you know, adding a lot of other social and humanitarian and historical stuff to it. That obviously that was you know what I the kind of stories that I always wanted to tell. But in terms of what's room, what isn't, that that's always been a huge uh, you know um, huge passion of mine. Right, yeah, so like when
0: you were a kid, was there an area of the paranormal that interested you more than another, or was it just everything?
1: Um, I, I would say I would say aliens was the was my jam, right? Because I also I also watched uh, Alien as uh, the irresponsibly young age, and that's where my love of just like horror and that atmosphere and and and, and just the, the, again only later on I understood that I loved the you know hugely the whole filmmaking aspect of it and um but before that is just is just the story it's just the concept of like what could be out there in outer space and are they visiting us and everything and you know absolutely um and then and then um a lot of other films like that so so no aliens and and uh, to some degree uh ufos and 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 everything like that is, is still listed to this day and it's uh, kind of coming in and out of fashion it's interesting to be you know seeing it watch when their aliens have been awesome and then lame and then you know in terms of popular media uh, but I think with um the, the kind of the newest in the last few years if not the, in the last decade kind of revelations of, uh, of those as you call them now you know uaps or whatever um to you know because they don't want to call them UFOs in the military but um yeah, I think I think it's coming back in in fashion, not just from an artistic point of view, but like as something that there's okay, there is something out there we need to we need to know where it is.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And uh, earlier on you, you mentioned something which is sort of what the concept of Sideways is about is a is that sort of blurry area between what's fictional and what's real. And uh did you find that having a career in filmmaking and having that interest as well sort of helped with that?
1: Oh, oh, a hundred percent, absolutely. I, I think, I think I had to walk this journey, journey where, uh, when I was younger, I really cared about, you know, that, that, that line being very. Um, you know, had to be rigid, had to be, had to be just, just, just uh, completely bipolar, you know, you had to have two states of either it's something's real when it isn't. And, and I really cared about what is and what, and if it wasn't real, I wasn't interested as much if, it, you know, and then when you go into filmmaking and when you're actually more interested in the stories and, and you start telling your own stories and, you know, of course, you know, that all of that is made up and you're surrounded by all this art, and especially as a director, you have to look into other people's art. In all of your departments, and then combine it together to help you tell your story. I mean, that's a, that's a big part of it. So, um, I kind of started caring less and less, like what was really, you know, based on reality and what wasn't. I mean, everything is always based on reality because we're humans and we tell our own human stories. But then, you know, it, like I say in the the, the opening of uh, every several films, like every, you know, uh, it's uh, I try to find the truth by telling lies. That's what every artist really does. So so i had to go through all of that journey to then come back to Sad World and coming back to something like a like a documentary to 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 have that interest of like okay well let's come back now knowing all this and having kind of learning all that let's come back into seeing what may be real or not but even then i kind of tried to leave as much as that as possible to the viewer where where um the 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 purpose of the of the series is is mainly to 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 tell these stories in a in a in a uh, interesting and atmospheric and uh, kind of engulfing fashion, and then pose all these questions and then you know kind of invite everybody in that conversation of what is real and what isn't. Then and, and there is definitely a very blurry line in between.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And, and something I'm interested in is that you know as a filmmaker, you know you're you're a storyteller, and again I think that's something that is influential in you know, in inside in worlds. But I, I'm wondering is um as someone who is a storyteller and as someone who's made these documentary films about this sort of blurry zone between fiction and reality, this might be sort of repeating my earlier question, but did it make you appreciate the best way to approach trying to understand the paranormal?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. It it, it did. You know, from the point of view of it's it's because a lot of a lot of paranormal is already connected to a to a story that exists. Even even the, the sources that we find about the story that that is rooted in reality somewhere. And you know uh, either that be more recent uh, recent paranormal, um, you know testimony, or an older like folkloric um, a tale that that is rooted somewhere in some sort of reality. Yeah, absolutely. You know that there is a, that, that's the basis of it. But you always first uh, perceive it as a story. Unless it's something that you've experienced yourself right then and there. Like, even if it's someone who, you know, your brother coming to be like, let me tell you what I saw, you know, that that's it's always is a story that there is already going through the filter of kind of our own brain and us trying to understand it. And sometimes, you know your mind can play tricks on you and you can embellish some things or you can misremember some things. And I'm not saying that from the point of view of like, Oh, let's not believe people. I I believe a huge number of testimonies. It's from the point of view of, you know, that transformation is, is real and it really shows really gives you a very good example of how a lot of those stories um, are told and where they're born. And, and, and and, and there's a huge push and pull between the two. And there's a, there's a lot of um, art be that films books paintings, and so on and so forth that have been inspired by um real life you know events that are unexplained um and then and then do- those things definitely have a have a a push and pull in that direction
0: Hmm. before the side worlds films you made a, some uh, feature films that are called, one called hex and another called the droving and those films they cover subjects which i think you could call paranormal or the like the uncanny Mm. as well and Mm. was that sort of the preparation for making the Sidewalks films or did the idea for Sidewalks exist before you made those feature films
1: i definitely spawned from there yeah because because um you know hex and the droving are rooted in 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 you know hex more and more in history even though it's still it's a just kind of a supernatural thriller that takes place in a, in a, in a historical period in the English civil war. And then you have the droving, which is kind of like of a modern day, modern day um, folk horror film um, with again with a lot of murder mystery elements as well. So it's again, that blend between something that, you know, they're, they're quite harsh, realistic films in, in, in some ways and another, other ways they're, they're quite, you know, as you said, they're playing with all these supernatural elements to help tell the story and also it's in their horror elements they they play on the viewer with that expectation that you know where evil always lies um you know and usually it's in it's in the you know supernatural fashion or in these films like we you know we definitely play with that notion um and i think it's more of a tool set to tell something about us as as humans rather than to expose some sort of you know supernatural threat uh but yeah again that, that that's that's it would that was, were very important storytelling devices and and, and you know a passion of, of mine and, and and Jonathan's my my you know creative partner that we write together and then I direct the films and he produces the projects and so on and so forth. Um so that that passion was already there and you know, passion of of art, of history, of of paranormal stuff, of 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 legends, of myth, of folklore, like all of that together. So um, You know, in the process of of doing those, so it was a process of analyzing and studying and, and kind of all these new areas, and um and the the the, the beauty of the locations where we shot and, and the areas of of, of uh, England where we did it, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that definitely spawned a lot of ideas for um, other similar projects. But the, the soon I realized that oh my god, like if if we really want to make them, and a lot of people are saying oh you should do this and you should do that, and like do a full film like that or do, do another, you know um, one like this um, you, you would need like 17 lifetimes to be able to do it all. Um, and also not all of them were worthy of a, you know, 90 minute at least treatment, you know, uh, of a, as a feature film. So, so getting these topics, getting these like overall, um, you know, spheres of interest that, that that we can tackle through something like Sarwild in, in the in a, the documentary feature from one by one, but in a series and then putting them all under, under that hood. I think it, it seemed like a really good idea to, for us to go into those stories and, and explore them. Um, yeah, in a, in a, in an interesting fashion now as a documentaries, but still I didn't even start making them, you know, like, like, like a documentary. I think that was a a big, um, that's a big difference from a lot of other work like that.
0: Right. Yeah. I've watched Hex. I haven't watched the Droving Yes, um, but watching that's the Hex- better one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really, I I thought Hex was, was great. Oh, um, thank you. Uh, but but watching it, something I I really liked is that it because it's it's mainly focused on two central characters, and it focuses on their experience, and and it does sort of make you realise like how powerfully an experience can sort of inform a person's understanding of what's going on um and you know and and the film does the film does leave it sort of open ended as to what's really going on whether because there is a, a potentially a witch involved in this story and weird things do seem to be happening but that's something i really enjoyed about the film and what and watching it there's a there's a there's a part sort of halfway through where both the characters are sat by a campfire and there's these weird sounds in the, in the forest and as much as this central character the the sort of adversarial character that the threat is potentially a witch I was watching that thinking this sounds like it could be like a, a, a Bigfoot or something it really made me think of the of the experiences that people have in forests when they meet with these unusual entities and I mean that that's that's something I just think the film captured really well and I can see why you made the Sideworlds film about the haunted forests of England after making this film.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and and I think um, to, to to some degree, you know, I I I love Bigfoot stories uh, when I was younger, and I still do, and if anything, like again, making hex that reinvigorated that 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 interest in in um, you know in the forests again, and and what is to be there, and of course, obviously, Sarbold the forests of england being the first one really made sense for us and everything but uh no yeah absolutely and then i've i've listened to uh um you know a lot of the famous bigfoot recordings in the states you know um the howls and the one in 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 um, the mountains in california and like it's 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 yeah it's it was definitely a part of part of the inspiration for that. It's it's, it's true at, at, in at least in terms of the effect of it so yeah, I I think it actually makes sense, and I'm I'm always interested in, uh, us, you know, on top of everything else that I said, is that, uh, X to to a big degree, I think it's also about the the power of a, of a narrative, right, and the power of uh, the prejudice that the narrative that you're kind of being taught to adhere to and follow, um, has like it's it's um, and and then that how. Those three characters that we have, the two main characters, and then the, and then the uh, witch, you know, that's um, they come from. They, they all kind of have a different narrative about um, the world and what's really going on, and, and and then we see the the outcome of that in the end. So um, yeah, like it's uh, true or not, Then there are stories that you know, <laughs> you know, human beings for a very long time um have believed in that there are definitely there is a lot to be questioned there in terms of what's true and what isn't but they've not only followed it to a T, but have committed horrible crimes because of it so you know i'm not going to name names of you know of what narratives i'm sort of speaking about but um yeah it, it it has a huge power and to this day it has a huge power mm, definitely i i also just like the idea
0: that maybe bigfoot is a forest witch or wizard <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and and, and there is there is a, a you know a big part of that That's you just you just don't know what a lot of you know those stories what they connect. I mean, in in um *Terrors of the Sea*, the 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 second uh world that we make, that was um, the story that we end on was something that you never be thinking of that we'll be talking about anything remotely close to Bigfoot in in a, in a film about see folk horror and legends and and, and everything but uh, the story of the merman of orford yeah i mean it, it really reminds you of uh, the Woodwows or, or or anything like that so it's a it's a pretty fascinating one yeah absolutely and
0: going back to hex i mean where you where you filmed that was um some lovely areas and you managed to find like, like an old derelict building that just seemed perfect for an abandoned church as well which is kudos to you for doing that but I am curious as to like during the making of the of that film did you go to a place called Ludd's Chapel as well
1: Uh yes uh, 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 we knew it as Ludd's Church which is the same oh, thing yeah. again but but yeah that that's uh, kind of the quote unquote, the dream sequence that we have in the film that's 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 where it takes place yeah it's it's uh, completely otherworldly it looks like it's somewhere in know star wars or you know lord of the rings yeah yeah
0: yeah i'm curious because i think that's associated with the legend of the green knight and you know Mm. when you when you were making the film in these places did did you encounter any sort of forest weirdness
1: Oh, I, I would have loved. We were way too busy to focus. like. The, there could have been a a a a Bigfoot right in front of me or a witch, <laughs> and I I'll be just kind of like move out of the way because we need to get to the lights. So uh, <laughs> I think it was. That's the thing with filmmaking. You're such tunnel vision at the time that that it's. Um, I, I do I do have to say though, I think there there was like some some good willing forest spirits. Maybe because the 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 film is kind of quite kind towards the. I mean, it's not kind in in the way. the the plot works but in terms of what we mean by the meaning of it i think the film is kinder towards the people who who respect um kind of more the natural world um maybe because of that we had some some pretty good luck on it and there has been quite a there was quite a few occasions where we could have had horrible injuries on set and then for some reason uh, none of them actually happened. I don't think there's anything supernatural about that, but uh, <laughs> quite a few chances in, in which things things could have gone like really poorly, and uh, they didn't. So yeah, some someone was protecting us, I think. Oh, good. <laughs> so yeah, let's move on to the to the
0: film. The the first one is uh, the haunted Forest of England. So how did you prepare for that, and how did you decide on the locations that you wanted to include?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it was it wasn't easy because there is a lot of forests that you can potentially do. I mean, there there is quite a, a few good ones that we haven't, we haven't we didn't include Sherwood, we didn't include. Forest of Dean, like kind of huge forest there, and um, but you, we kind of uh, try to see. Uh, I we did work on it, especially on, on the first one that. Like I said before, never done a documentary before, never really had the huge desire to to make one before, uh, just on the basis of like I just didn't think oh um, my, I have that all sensibilities, I'm not good at it, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think when we started talking about, you know, within 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 our production company, thinking of all right, that's something we might be interested in. I was like, Oh, well, I'm interested into it as well, but I don't know. <laughs> I think, you know, how would I do it? And then I discovered that um I'm just gonna approach it like I do with the with the feature film, you know. Um, we're gonna think about the narrative, we're gonna think how it goes, and, and and really put people in an atmosphere that they're gonna enjoy those stories. So we knew that everything we had to go into every single location, um, and 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 uh, we're gonna use you know music and editing and everything for that. And we had to pick stories that had a narrative in a way that's still not gonna is gonna be interesting to be to be followed, and we wouldn't have too many stories that kind of overlap. In terms of being exactly the same mood or exactly the same subject matter, uh, it kind of had to be, you know, feel unified that they all took place in those forests. But um, we kind of had to cast in a way the stories uh, to where they they fit. So there's some really interesting, really big, really cool stories that didn't make it just because they didn't maybe necessarily play well with others. And um, uh, on the cutting floor, there's definitely so much more material that you know haunt the forest too you know, uh, I'm sure it will happen at some point. Um, but uh, those three forests, really, the type of stories that they had were intriguing. And also each and every forest kind of had its own feel and identity that made all three chapters feel um, slightly different within that overall forest atmosphere.
0: Right, yeah. Um. So once you decided on the forest that we're going to cover, so in this film there's Wood in Devon, Chase in Epping Forest. Is that when you sort of look for eyewitness testimony? Because each of the films includes some of that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we um, again, it was it was difficult to to include everything in in, in everyone's uh, testimony for all the stories because we knew that we need just need to tell them as well and and, and have all of that and um and um. We you know kind of on in an earlier stage decided we're not gonna do any sort of uh talking head stuff or or resemble like any other documentary which which at the time was a risk and there was there was a lot of debate about it but uh, um you know since in the last year that we've had the feedback, I think that's one of the main things that people say that they distinguish our documentary from and they really enjoy because there's you know probably not much else like it the way it's told um so we so we definitely looked into what are what are some of the most key points in a lot of testimonies and then we kind of wrote a semi-fictional amalgamation of those um, that were based on all of them on real accounts because um, also I didn't want to paraphrase uh, real persons you know real words uh, even if they're anonymous or not but uh, we kind of took a lot of key points from them, and, and you know when we have our, an actor come in and, and read them um, they all include elements from the most commonly seen aspects of encountering that particular creature or ghost or story. Hmm. And there
0: you're talking about how each of those locations sort of had its, had its own feel Mm. to it. Um, Can you just go into that a little bit? I'm interested in, in what that is like um, because there's definitely one of the three that that I found maybe the most spooky, but I'm just interested in how they came across to you.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, it's, it's a, You know, writing writing by spookiness it's, it's it's difficult when you when you're in it and you're kind of planning everything kind of dries the whole experience out until you go and film it or after you you you, you watch the film. So it, it was mainly in the differences of of um, you know, again things that I I pay attention to with my narrative feature films. It's like what like textures and and color and just overall vibe. I think Wisman's Woods, for example was so, the the look is so fantastical, so otherworldly. And, and when we went there, it was that was such a big part of it as well. So it was so beautiful in these sort of turquoise-viridian colors that the the beards of the trees, you know, were there. And at the time that we were filming, it was horrible weather. But, like, just when you went there, everything stopped being miserable and you saw this amazing, you know, alien uh, uh, landscape with these crooked trees and the, the mosses. Uh, it was it was incredibly beautiful um and incredibly kind of mysterious and ancient and melancholic and um or kind of chase i have to say it was it was a different vibe and it was it was a forest that yeah it had its spookiness uh, for sure but the spookiness came from the fa- uh, the fact that it was kind of like a huge park i mean it isn't and, and it's it's a forest for sure but uh, um you definitely feel like you can be you can be jogging in in that forest and you can get lost and then someone can just you know, snatch you off the corner and you no one will know about that. And and uh, um a lot of the stories were about that of things being seen looking at you or encountering something on the path and that's why I shot mostly a lot of paths in, in Canuck Chase because that was very important for the field that we had there where in Muslims there is no such thing. It's it's about the absence of humans almost and everything where humans were encountering were more at the edge of it and and the rest of a more. Um, and that's why we incorporate all the characters there as well. Uh, And then Epping again uh, is very different. the 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 fact that he has all these that water and these pools that you know they become a very main character in that story towards the end of the film, Um, and and uh, that it's so close to London and and it's 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 legacy of uh, you know uh, bodies um, being buried there by all kinds of troublemakers dating all the way back to Dick Turpin in the 18th century and you know even even further now we talk about Boudica and everything. Um, all the way up to more recently with the craze, and you know where they bury their their killed associates and 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 um, adversaries. So it 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 did. you had they all came with that those spirits. Um, the, the different spirit of the, of the of the story and different sort of vibe.
0: Hm, mm, Yeah. Uh, the the one that I thought was the most spooky was Canuck Chase, and I th- I think it's because it's. I mean, there's a great shot of this a communication tower that just sort of stands um, mm. in isolation mm. in, in Cadillac Chase. And I think it's because that's quite a modern thing, but there's, a, there's this sort of kind of unusual activity happening in this large space, like you mentioned, but it's still, the modernity is still quite close. So you, it, it's like, um, it, it had this sort of an uncanny feel to it. And, a, and when you have an entity like the pig man as well, that's, it's, pretty unsettling.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. It, the, the Canuck chase was definitely, he had such a weird amalgamation of stories ranging from aliens to pig man to, 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 to horrible real life crime to, uh, you know, sadder stories to kind of like so horrible, they kind of almost seem funny. So, you know, some of them, the, the one, the more, more ancient one. So, you know, we had to ca- capture the, um, the essence of, of, of that, of that, uh, um, crazy range of, of, of stories he had there and of, of encounters. And then on top of that, uh, those, um, German POW cemeteries that were there, that, that, that was a, um, really weird feeling going and filming there as well, because it was just in the middle of the forest. You have, uh, you have these graveyards and, um, they carried another, another, another level of, of, of creepy that, uh, um, you know, you don't get in 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 the normal graveyard, really.
0: Mm, I completely understand. Um, with the pigman encounter, you include a version of an eyewitness testimony to that. Mm. What do you, I mean, what do you think was going on there? It's it's, it's so b-
1: bizarre. It's very it's very bizarre. I mean, we um. We propose a few theories that we've, you know, researched into, and, and they're they're quite varied. I mean, it goes all the way up to the the, the story that we talk about that uh, there is this legend, uh, where it was related to that being the deformed child of a witch, and that that then was kind of chased away from from a village and had to grow up in in the forest. Um, and to to something that is more demonic, and that really was some sort of a cross between. Uh, a cursed, you know, man and, and, and a pig creature and all of that. I, I think, um, I, I, I don't know. It's it's a very bizarre cryptid. I mean, the, the, the more you going some some of the cryptid scene around the world, the more you start thinking that's like, oh, wait a second. That might not be just a, a hairy monkey man. This might not be just be a big dog and so on and so forth. There's a lot of, and, and the thing is, the more bizarre the stories get, the, the scarier it is because I, I used to be a proponent of, ah, that's just a big dog. Ah, that's just a Gigantopithecus that, you know, has survived or something, you know, uh, when it comes to Bigfoot. But then you listen to some eyewitnesses, some some testimonies, and especially because there's so many in in America, especially because it's it's a huge place with a lot of forests. And, um, yeah, sometimes there's testimonies that you're like, well, I don't don't know about that. But sometimes you have some, you know, former military men that were doing, like... um, exercises or or uh, former police officers or current police officers that decide to remain anonymous um they're telling stories of encountering bigfoot that's not just um doesn't sound just like something uh, um, a lost link between man and ape um can do uh, and like like mind speak and all these other Weird, promotes the 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 orbs and lights you see that sometimes accompany it, how it disappears into thin air, and um, and and the, that feeling of dread that it gives you, just like looking at it. And, and at the beginning, yeah, I I didn't I didn't want to allow to myself to believe those because it sounded like, well, okay, well those those are the kooky people, and then the ones who just describe it as an ape, those are the right the normal eyewitnesses, right? That's where I draw the line of my supernatural belief. But then, yeah, they sounded so honest and so legit and either every single one of those that that are are daniel day lewis level of an actor or there's actually (laughs) something there you know um so yeah pigman might be just one of those cryptids that's it's uh, might be something uh you know transdimensional. might be something else uh or it could be that very very sad story that we're talking about um a deformed human being that was born with uh uh um anomalies um that at the time people were you know a lot less tolerant than even we are right now towards something like that and, and of course you can only imagine you know a hugely religious crowd back in the day how they will react to someone like that. He gets chased away, you know, he, he lives in the forest and everybody who sees him thereafter that legend is grown for someone who just you know it's it that's that that can be really sad. So um it's it's such a dual interpretation. I know I know I'm, I'm giving a very you know horrible cop out answer here um but I'm kind of equally interested in both versions i'm again i'm not I'm not that guy anymore that cider has to be it's not interested i'm not, it's not interesting unless I'm a skeptic or or it's not interesting unless I really believe absolutely everything I think it's whatever happened the story we have now came from somewhere and um that's that's what we're trying to display.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I don't think that was a cop out. I mean I I think, you know, you're just trying to have like a, a 40 viewpoints.
1: Yeah, trying to be objective, you know, is difficult, you know. It is it is it is, yeah.
0: I guess this goes back to the side worlds concept. I'm mean, I'm interested in how if a legend, if a story becomes so well known that it sort of somehow enters the the collective unconsciousness of an area, then mm. could that mean that that's what's manifesting i mean i don't know what the mechanism is that would make it manifest some legends are so so they endure anything a legend endures then it has a sort of a uh, somehow it can become real almost in terms of being experienced at least
1: yeah i i think um i think there's some truth to that I i think there could be and I don't know as much as going as far as you know manifesting a, a, a crazy looking descriptive creature just because everybody imagined at the same time. I don't know about that. Um, that possibly also can happen. I think even in those cases there's something that was originally there. But when we start talking about things like energy and and uh, just the vibe of a place, things that we cannot really describe, I definitely believe it because, or. I believe that there is something. Uh, and we, we we mentioned that, I think, in all three films at some point, especially in Forest and Domination Village, um, we do look into that, uh, of how sometimes you can have this self-fulfilling prophecy of, of, of something horrible happens, because of that people start believing more into it. They associate the place about being horrible, and then that kind of helps for more horrible things to happen there. And um, something with the with the suicide pond which is the the story that we kind of uh, the big one that we end on haunted forest of England, the Epping forest like the really, you really it really seems like there's something there that that connects to that because um, it's it's a really weird place and it's a really harrowing story um but i don't know i mean look i'm i'm, I'm from bulgaria uh, bulgaria you know well you know still being a european country where we we have a little bit more of our mysticism and and kind of uh weird uh you know crossroad be- between europe and asia and you know it's close to all the continents in the way in the middle um and mix of religions and people and, and we retain a lot of our kind of weird superstition i think and and um and i know of some stories that that that's that are quite weird like you have um uh, a miracle icon for example of of uh, virgin mary you know with baby jesus or whatever and um that they'll display in some village and you know, all the all the old people in the grass will go out there and they'll they'll pray and they'll kiss the icon. And then there is a there's a few examples of when you know miracles have happened and then you start thinking of Is it because people go there with such a good will, right? With such a good kind of positiveness and, 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 and belief and when they, when they put all of that onto that object. Then, when the next person goes there, they get some of that positive attitude from that object, and that might actually really help them feel I mean we've heard stories about people getting better from from diseases and from even cancer and tumors and so on and so forth just by you know incredibly positive attitude and um I know that sounds a bit a bit a bit new age and a bit hippie-ish, but there has been more than more than a few occasions in which people can do extraordinary things just by believing And you know, we've all heard the stories about, you know, the, the mother lifting the car where her child's under it and all of that. And you start thinking, well, what's the first, it was it the chicken or the egg. Was it really a miracle icon? And was it because of Virgin Mary, or is it because of the will of all these people that on this wooden and golden object that we know that those things can, can hold energy to it. You know, you, you give that goodwill and then that starts emanating back. Um, and, if that can happen with goodwill, I'm sure that can happen with uh bad will and, and evil thoughts too yeah
0: i mean the the evil eye is like an ancient thing that that lots of cultures warred against, isn't it so mm. yeah, you're absolutely right but I mean positive thinking that you mentioned there that's you can go from there to to magical thinking and and magic really, so it's not yeah. it's not yeah. too much of a leap, is it Anyway, so moving on, the the second side world's film is Terrors of the Sea. Um, did that present different challenges in, in making it?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all is, is uh, you know, I, I knew that the, the, the subject matter would be great to tell all these stories. Mm. But then, then, then uh, so from a writing point of view, I knew that we'll, we'll do great. But then immediately thought of myself and my job. I'm like, oh. What can I got to do? Uh, it's just, you know, like trees are so amazing. You know, I can, I know how to shoot them. I, again, you said that I have experience with hex and everything. And then the sea is just flat, you know, what, 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 <laughs> what, unless it's a raging sea, right? You know, you can't just do waves for 90 minutes. No, but uh, I, I'm joking. I mean, there, that was a consideration of mine, but I think that was the, the visually had a challenge there. But uh, um, I, you know, we quickly overcame it the more we were getting into the stories and, you know, we knew where we're going to go and film and what they're connected to. And we found some amazing places in terms of, um, you know, you start shooting more the shore and uh, I found a way to like how to, uh, kind of emulate the sea and and kind of symbolize it. Even if we're not, we're just not looking at only at water. Um, so that, yeah, that, 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 that was, that was, um, not too difficult to to do once I wrap my head around it. But in terms of from from a picking the stories and storytelling point of view, yeah. I mean it was even more difficult to pick the right amalgamation of, of stories because there was even that much more. You know, it's um and there's the British Isles after all. So it's completely surrounded by water and there's <laughs> so much amazing maritime lore and coastal legends and and wonderful stuff in my um for a few months my my spotify playlists were just you know sea shanties and old folk songs and with the sea and all of that so i was completely uh, drowning in 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 cold ocean water and uh in in my mind it was it was great um but again we had to do like a different different selection stories and this time instead of by place we did it by by types of sea lore and that really felt like we're going to do some kind of we'll feel as comfortable as a continuation of haunted forest, but at the same time, we're giving like a, something that's a, a bit different and we, we don't always kind of do the same way of uh, displaying the story. So we went with from, from, from ghost ships to, to sea monsters, to uh, ghosts of uh, sailors, the spectral sailors, and then into kind of mermaid legends right at the end and capped it off and, and kind of united it within a kind of a study and, and, um horror storytelling of uh, kind of humans in their relation with the uh, with the ocean
0: yeah i mean i guess the um the the shipwrecks and the spectral sailors really exemplifies that relationship doesn't it it's um mm. uh everything in that film is really interesting but i, I suppose those two areas of the film are the ones that, that sort of lend themselves most to sort of things like ghost stories and, and like a mm, yes. the human relationship with the sea, the sea become almost becomes a, a character in itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, because for a lot of those people, especially when you come to the sailors, it, it was, you know, that the sea was, you know, as they're constant with you, it's something that is active that, that a lot of your fate, you know, uh, relies upon it, and like it, it, it was a character, and um, and and I think that's part of what we we, we look at. It. It's like it's always hugely emotional, and, and um, there are stories that are incredibly romantic, you know, when it comes to the sea, old sailor stories, and there's ones that are incredibly horrific, and the two usually blend, and uh, even even in the way that the, how you know mermaids were perceived, or like, as you said, the stories about um. Just ghosts, and you know that—that's why we we wanted. uh, Even in the section when we talk about the spectral sellers, like there, there, there's two two stories that we tell there, and and one is one is more sad and 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 kind of horrific and 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 just kind of unfair and 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 scary. Where the other one is sad and unfair and scary, but also kind of deeply, deeply romantic and and emotional.
0: Yeah, and something as well about. Those sorts of ghosts, ghostly sailors, and people who have been lost at sea is. I'm not sure if you got this sense as well is that the sea sort of will claim the dead. It's, you know, and people who die at sea might be sort of stuck at the bottom of the ocean. I, I remember yeah. the, there's a section of 14 Times where people write in on their experiences, and a lady was, she wrote in about, she was on a ferry. Going from Newcastle to to Amsterdam, I think, and in the middle of the night, she saw a, a sailor in sort of classic trawlerman's gear at the foot of a bed, and he was soaking wet and had these weird, almost demonic creatures nipping at his heels, and it's a it's a horrific image, and um, mm. and but it's it's so sort of connected to the sea; like that, those sorts of ghosts seem to be incredibly connected to that environment.
1: No, it doesn't. And that's, that's, that's a great example. And that sounds like a great, great story. <laughs> um, no, ab- 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, it definitely makes you think that like David Jones's locker really exists as a sort of uh, pur- purgatory. And, and I think that's why we started, we wanted to open with the section on, on, on the, on the ghost ships as well. Um, and again, we make that distinction. We explain the the two types of ghost ships. that's There, I mean, the ones that there's just no one on it, and it's a real ship, and the ones that are literally it's it's a it's a spectral image of a ship. And and in that one, we get into the wonderful story of the of the Goodwin Sands that um, people can even go to once every year in in June. You can catch a ferry from Kent, uh, from Deal, and then and then and sail to that. That's a kind of um you know English Channel, Bermuda Triangle, right there. Um. And, and and in that story, there is so much of that of like you have a shipwreck and then and then um, fifty years afterwards the, the, there's another horrible storm, another horrible shipwreck, and then the survivor the survivors of that they see a, a an image and a spectral image of a ship that died the previous time, or you know, you'll see someone in seventeenth century you know, seeing the place, um, Spanish galleons. And and then and then in the nineteenth century they'll see, you know, um, 18th century ships from then so so it's almost this sort of cyclical um paid forward game of where where it just persists and then the victims of of the previous one are kind of doomed to you know pass the relay to the next generation and uh, um yeah there there, there was a huge sense of time and and um repeating itself and 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 a purgatory image in in a lot of those um sea spectral stories so yeah no absolutely that's that's a great great observation
0: something else that's covered in the film one of my favorite subjects is sea monsters um and i was especially impressed with the story you you tell of the hms daedalus and the creature that it encountered um that that seemed like it was pretty legit can you just talk about that a bit
1: yeah no absolutely it's it's uh, the, the the story of captain mcquay and and uh um the crew of the daedalus encountering uh what they said it was a sea serpent um and uh what was really fascinating with that story is because we wanted to start the section with something that really just sounded legit because sea monsters sound so mythical and you know krakens and you know all that kind of stuff and you know um there there, there is a lot of that but that that story is from someone that at the time you know, in, in the admiralty those were those were legit people. There, there was no, um, ah, he just told a tall tale, that old captain. Like, there's, there was no such thing. You know, we're talking about it at the, the height of the British Empire. Everybody was, uh, when you were making your reports uh, back in London, like, there, there was no goofing around. And um, he really believed what he saw. And then um, he kind of, like in modern terms, he got canceled because of, because of what he described um that the what he saw was as a legit giant sea serpent and and a monster um and the rest of the crew also also saw it but they the you know he he really wanted to make sure mcquay wanted to make sure that there was no kind of you know uh, also splash uh, of, of of damage on them as well and their reputation because you know that that would be cruel that they can be you know never hired again or never work in another ship, so he took the brunt of that, but you know th- there was a whole case there was a uh kind of a almost like a military court uh, in which that was you know his testimony was kind of put on trial and 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 he hired a um um an um artist at the time to do a artistic representation you know a drawing of, of what he saw. And uh, those are in the film and, you know, you can find them on the internet. They're, they're amazing. Um, it's an amazing testimony of what happened. And he really stood by his word, uh, even though they're trying to convince him, oh, no, it was just like a, a, a big eel or something. And you know, we're talking about someone who they've spent their life at sea and, you know, they're, they're given the the permission to fire upon like ports and other ships and you know, we're talking about the vessels that at that time, as we mentioned in the film, it, it was like in Mastering Commander. I don't know if you've seen it, but everyone should. It's an amazing movie. But, you, you know, you usually also have a scientist, you know, at, at, on your vessel as well, because you're constantly discovering new interesting places or species or anything. And it's, it's, those are people who are hugely interested in, 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 the, in the natural world and, and discovering uh, new things. Um, so they were at the cusp of the of the scientific knowledge, the same way that all the best militaries in the world are, are today. So it, it's it's a really legit account, and I I just I just can't believe that that someone of of that stature and experience will be confused by you know a yield or whatever people say usually you know, things like that would be. So you know what I mean, right? Yeah, oh absolutely.
0: And yet the the artist's depiction of the creature is is, is really good. It's very detailed and not like anything that could be confused for a baleen whale or or, or a seal. You know, I couldn't think of anything that really quite looked like that. So it's just fascinating to imagine what it was. And but sadly, I mean, it might be that that species doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I hope it does. But
1: I mean, we we kind of quickly mentioned that theory as well. Is that is that it's and and it, and it does make sense that. Um... You know, at the time, as is even though uh, you know we were hugely active in in the oceans at the sea. I mean, compared to later on and and now when we have started to document things properly and and film and study, like um, it's it's that, that that top layer of the ocean um, definitely had a lot more more activity. So there, there was, I'm sure, there was a vertical migration of species that do not want to be bothered and and they do not you know mix well with with um, our traffic because because you know you uh you know you when you do all this you know we move fish around and we lay down cables and stuff and we do just our kind of like human activities and I'm not even talking about the the, the polluting element which is also you know very huge and important but just just the the fact that you know you, you when you build a highway uh, you, you know usually the deer is not walking right next to you know the the the, the emergency road right like it's not it, it, they they will migrate a little bit more into into the deeper part of the forest. So I'm sure that the same thing applies to sea as well. And if there was creatures there that were daring a little bit more in that top layer of 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 the ocean, uh, they might have migrated vertically or just go into places where there is less activity. Or as you said, you know, sadly they might have uh, died off. Um, we yeah we don't we don't know.
0: I mean, I much prefer your your answer that they've just sort of given humans the people, um yeah, <laughs> to coin a suitable term, yeah. I guess. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, the third side world film, moving on, is Damnation Village. Just talk about that concept and and the places that are included in this film.
1: Well, um, three of the most haunted villages of England, if not the most haunted three villages in England. That's that was what we you know, went on with, with, with the nation village, it really seemed like after we've done kind of these biomes of, of, of forest and ocean, uh, we wanted to do something that was a little bit more, uh, kind of, kind of human based and, and that drove a lot of ghost stories automatically. And I I think that the, the feel and the look of, of your quintessential English and and British villages as a whole is so memorable, so amazing, so, so diverse in it's in it's the feelings that it gives you you know um that uh i find it very exotic for you know for someone who's not from here so i still find it really kind of like um how should i say you know, like it's still sexy to me you know it's not i'm not mm-hmm. bored of it you know it's 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 great and so yeah i i i had a huge passion for it and and uh um i was sure that other people around the world will be interested to to kind of live in that atmosphere for for uh, for 70 minutes on top of then people who are already from here from everybody in the uk they might find some stories that they never really knew about and i was you know surprised and, and very you know humbled and it was a great feeling when a ton of um of the audience like you know just just mention of uh, i I just live next door and i never knew about this that's, that's that's great i have to go there and or people who have been there and they were just so happy that we have finally told that story um especially about eam for example yeah, absolutely.
0: You start off with Pluckley, which mm. yeah is very well known for its haunted nature and reported a reporting of hauntings. And there was, you know, in the film, like you, there there are plenty of examples of this. But the one, the one I found most bizarre and pretty unsettling is that in 1948 they found the bodies of 20 people in the local wood, in Daring Wood. And I'm interested in what you think might have happened there. It's pretty uh, spooky.
1: Yeah, it, it it is. It's it's a very efficient one, efficient one, and and it you know it's it's uh, verges on on the levels of a of an urban legend. You don't know exactly what what happened, um, and uh, it, you never you never know with stories like that. Like you, you, there is there has been a lot of activity in the Daring Woods from from. Way before um dating you know all the way back as, as as things were recorded, like because we we kind of trace the the history of of the darings that that family that kind of lured it over luckily for such a long time it dates back you know twelfth century um so so that that sense of of weirdness into that 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 forest carried over for a long time, so yeah um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if bizarre things started happening over and over again even to more recent times when just people started disappearing.
0: Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned in the film, prior to that incident in 1948, people reported lights in the wood. Uh, And I suppose, you know, to be fair, there's a more regular answer for what was happening, I guess. So like a nefarious answer, sadly, it seems, maybe. And the lights might have been whoever was sort of perpetrating that. But at the same time, mysterious lights in the forest... And then this thing happening also has a has a history. There's a there's a law to that sort of thing happening too.
1: It it, it does. And and uh, the the sort of when we talk about lights that you know some people even back in the day have said look like um, a, a spider's web. Like what would that mean when you think about lights in the forest? So, uh, you know, I wouldn't imagine just a literal spider web of of light. What the spidering effect happens when you. Look through the forest, and you just see between the, the the and the trees that there is rays of light that kind of fan out towards you, right? And that usually happens when you have a single circular source of light, right, um, in the forest. So to to get that effect, so you know even from, or it doesn't necessarily need to be need to be uh, circular, but you um, if you have sort of an even light coming through it wouldn't fan out like this from a, from a single source uh, it wouldn't create that spider web effect um so yeah when we when we film in the forest like late at night or something you have a really powerful you know generator with a with a, with the film light like that's what happens like you just see the the lights kind of come off and usually you see that in a in a cheesy 90s horror movie when they <laughs> don't light it properly you just see that happen it's very atmospheric but it doesn't really look real because you know there it's kind of oh that's not the moon that's like an artificial light that they put in you know at, at the at the back of the forest, so when you kind of reverse engineer that and you think, well, walking caused that in a, in a forest, then um, yeah, there there is a there is a there is a few options and make start you start making thinking kind of you know places like Rendlesham and things like that where things land in the forest and you see exactly the same thing. So yeah, I don't know, or or it could just be an ur- uh, urban legend. So yeah, and and going back to the wild man of Orford.
0: That wasn't too far from Rendlesham, but uh <laughs> that's it. A... Oh, th-
1: th- there you go. That's that that's absolutely interesting, yes. Uh and and, and that one just to just sort of hope back to, to Terra's again is uh talking that that kind of for sure we know it's not an urban legend because because that's also just like the McQuay thing, absolutely documented in in the annals of history, uh, of the history of the castle, that that the encounter with this uh kind of uh, interesting uh, merman and 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 sea seaman uh, happened so yeah
0: yeah another village that you cover is Presbury in Gloucestershire mm. and there's a, a case of a ghost there that I found very interesting when it comes to sort of the the stone tape uh, idea about haunting fred archer the jockey and Sorry, do you want to just tell that story because it's it's fascinating?
1: Yeah, sure. No, it it is, and it's um something that um is like always fa- because at the moment I I, li- I live in Cheltenham and I have for the for the last few years, and Cheltenham and, and Presbury are, are so close that Presbury is basically a part of Cheltenham, you know. It's also it's just fifteen minutes from my house, really, like walking um uh, in that direction, and you just past the Cheltenham race course, which is the, the race course that we're talking about in the story of the jockey, is is everything happened there and I, I never never really knew. I mean there there's I, I drank some pints that they're called like oh Fred Archer and there's like a little <laughs> little jockey on it but I never really put two and two together until we discovered the the story. But uh you no know, in 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 the in the starting from the seventies and that's the, the story that we particularly referenced there was uh one time at a it was again it was the time of, of the Gold Cup uh people come into you know what's the horse racing in shatnam very popular and and there was two ladies coming out of the the inn that we we show in the film uh the king's arms um and they see the ghostly figure of a jockey crossing crossing the street and um they were fascinated it, obviously you know um stumped and, and 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 kind of uh you know incredibly surprised to see it and and then they turned around it is this i'm crossing crossing it again so it was kind of seemed like he repeated the same motion after the, kind of they passed the corner and um that's the story that we open on this section and uh, uh we continue on to you know make our case about all the other stories in 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 presbury and and uh And how they might relate to this idea of that we see a lot of ghosts there in a very um, small um, patch of land, really, that's within that Presbury Center. Um, There are so many cases of ghosts that seem to be doing repeating this everything again and again. But back to Fred Archer, is is the then we delve in into what was his backstory, and he was a, a popular um an incredibly successful jockey back in the in the 19th century that uh had a wonderful career but but met a pretty sad and untimely end where where uh, his uh you know when he when he kind of finally settled down and, and married and and you know his wife was pregnant and everything but unfortunately you know she died and um a year afterwards he took his own life and um it really seemed like you know after that point people have been seeing him again and again, and that pub that the lady saw him cross from was the pub where where he he spent most of his childhood because he was born in the same house and his family owned it um and yeah it's 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 a really really uh when you when you watch the store and you really go into it more than even uh, you know we did in the film it's it's such a kind of harrowing and sad, but also we kind of make the case of maybe not all of these stories of these ghosts, like repeating again, again, there is a lot of tragedy to them. And a lot of the other cases that we look into, they're obviously tragic when someone gets murdered and you see the murder or again, again, like we go through all of these, but in the case of Fred Archer, you know, he's seen there, not at the place of where he died, but the case, the place where he spent most of his, you know, happiest memories in his life and where he, you know, won most of his trophies and, and, and everybody loved him. So maybe, maybe it's not just a, a, a negative energy that draws you to kind of like have that one repeat again again maybe there there there's just that can happen with good memories as well but at, or at least that's our hope in the film in the case we're trying to make and bring a little bit of balance to the, uh, the overall gloom that that section really really has the thing i found
0: most intriguing was that the what they saw the jockey they saw sort of disappears in the middle of the road and then they look again and they see the same thing again i i hadn't really heard of that happening too often that people will just see it
1: twice in quick succession and yeah it really seems like if we're looking into the stone tape theory which which we kind of do our best to 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 explain in in the film is like that that's one of the more obvious examples of really almost seeing like the like a like a scratch tape you know uh mm. you know or, or something just kind of it's it's um you know it's stuck on repeat and it's it's you know showing the same event over and over again and um as you said it like that usually happens where people see that repeat sometimes on the same day of the year or or under certain circumstances where the weather is just right um, if that happens again that that seems to repeat again uh, or just like we talked about um uh, with the good wind sands that you see those spectral ships repeat, but you're right. Like, uh, and it's rare when you see a spectra like that um, to to that repeating to happen within the same same sighting, and, and that's why we we saw that Fred Archer from both a, a um, kind of storytelling point of view of, of of just that 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 event and the way it represented the theory, and from an emotion point of view, it really seemed like that that should be the kind of the linchpin of of that section.
0: Hmm. Mm, absolutely. Well, George, this has been a brilliant conversation. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast.
1: Uh, thanks for having me. I, I had a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, like, and, and I will always will be happy to talk about many, many more stories. Uh, yeah, so thank you for the wonderful conversation as well.
0: If people want to find out more about yourself and Rubicon Films, how best do they do that?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. So on social media, you can go at at. Uh, Uh, Rubicon Films UK on Twitter, for example. Uh, You can also go to at SideWorld UK if you're just interested in all the SideWorld series and everything we talked about. Uh, And uh, yeah, you can find me somewhere there as well. I'm uh, at the the George Popov. Um, Same handles on on Instagram as well. We have pages on Facebook with uh, Rubicon Films and SideWorld. And just if you just type SideWorld in Google, you'll be able to see all the other places where you can watch the series and then all the other um kind of uh, ideas and projects we have to kind of expanding the whole the whole franchise and hopefully we will we'll cover a lot of subjects that people are interested in and uh, we'll be making a lot more brilliant well i'll make sure to put all that in the show notes thank you
0: thank you george thank you for listening to my interview with george if you enjoyed this conversation then definitely check out the Sideworld films along with Hex and The Droving, as they're all well worth your time. Please also consider rating this episode wherever you listen and sharing it on social media, as it really helps Some Other Sphere to grow and find new listeners. You can follow Some Other Sphere on Twitter and Mastodon, and subscribe on most of the well-known podcast platforms. You can also support Some Other Sphere with a donation via Ko-fi, Details on how to do that are in the show notes. If you'd like to email me here at spherehq, the address is someothersphere at gmail.com. It would be lovely to hear from you. Until next time, take good care of yourselves and I hope you'll join me again soon for another episode of Some Other Sphere.